welcome to the Hedge Witches Almanac with me, Carly. And me, Rachel. Hope you've all had a really great week. It's so nice to be back so soon after our last episode. So today we are looking at the crystal, the Moonstone. This is our first look at a crystal on the show. Really wanted to talk about this one. I've got very, very fond memories from being very little and my parents having the book, The Moonstone, written by Wilkie Collins. And I always looked at the book and it was well beyond my capability of reading at that time, but always thinking, what is this magical moonstone? So it felt a good place to start, but also seamlessly links to our topic of the wolf from last week, which of course has also much association with the moon, which is of course the planet associated with the moonstone. It is a mineral of feldspar. It has a feminine energy and it is linked to the element of water. Deities it's linked to are Diana, Aphrodite, Selene and Isis. And a mantra that you could use along with the moonstone is, I embrace the divine feminine. So moonstone is a gemstone that captures the magic of the night sky made from feldspar, a mineral of the earth's crust. Its glow is called the adularescent effect, an optical phenomenon can never say that word phenomenon <laughs> caused by its, something like a phenomena caused by <laughs> unique inner composition that reflects and scatters light so it is said to originate from India and Sri Lanka originally but it is also found in Brazil the states Australia and Madagascar in ancient India, they considered it as a sacred stone symbolizing spiritual purity. The Greeks and Romans associated it with lunar goddesses such as Diana and Selene. In the Middle Ages, it became a popular love charm. So some say it is said to be a stone of eroticism and love but also to activate carnal passions. So some go very heavily on the kind of eroticism and the passion others see it as more of a stone for more gentle love overall so moonstone had many different periods in time when it was extremely popular it was also extremely popular during the art nouveau period too so moonstone can be colorless or it can be seen as brown orange green blue pink white or yellow it's often transparent so it has a kind of like milky look to it through to a murky translucence with a orange or blue fluorescence it is a crystal that must be treated with care so there is a kind of hardness scale I think it's called a Mohs hardness scale that it rates a six on so you do need to be quite careful with it Using moonstone within your practice, so you can use it within your craft too. This, this is a crystal that can do everything bar put the kettle on and make you a cup of tea, genuinely. It can cover all manner of things. So you can use it to increase hope, enhance divine feminine energy for both men and women. It is a great stone to work with to open yourself up to inner emotions and self-discovery at the highest levels. 
It is said to be able to put you in touch with your inner spirit and infuses the body with the element of Mother Earth. So the moonstone has a very motherly, protective energy to it also, similar to Mother Moon. So it makes the perfect crystal to work with for, okay, so this is one that many of us might feel the need to work with it for. It can really heal complex dynamics with your mother or a maternal figure, a matriarch figure in the family, but also significant females within your life too. It is said to be a really good stone for teenage girls to work with also, mainly because of the hormonal side. And I'll kind of come to that shortly. It is a protection stone for mothers and babies. That was always kind of one of the areas that it was seen as the most strongest for, the the area had the strongest powers for. So it's ideal to work with or wear for magic around fertility, trying to conceive whilst pregnant, during childbirth, and also whilst breastfeeding. But You can also wear it if you are experiencing PMS and overall to balance out female hormones. It's said to be a stone of cycles and new beginnings. So almost tying into the moon cycles as well, connected to the goddess and the energy of the moon. So it's really good to use and work with if you struggle during significant lunar cycles. Rachel and I discussed this this the other day and we have a bit of a pattern. I think we're kind of in sync with this where I will usually really struggle uh, hormone wise or, you know, kind of like feeling like either really angry or very tearful around three days before a full or new moon. And we kind of discussed this the other day, didn't we? We did. Yeah. it's Yeah. Full moon usually for me just just before. um I don't know if I notice it with the new moon but I'm gonna have to clock that but I know you said you had one or the other but never both that you just have to have a period during the month where the moon is making you um, a little bit out of whack absolutely and it's not necessarily linked to my cycle either I think it depends on the astrological sign that that full on new moon sits within as to how I'll kind of you know balance or level out with it but it always seems to be three days before and we were saying about if you know that that's going to come up and if you feel that that might be an issue it's like taking the time out to think and this is it's all good and well saying this like taking the time out to be considerate of it but maybe trying to sort of schedule out some time if you think you know three days before this full moon or new moon I'll try and make it that if I need to maybe go off and have a nap or Maybe if I kind of like build up a good work schedule before I can take some time off, then it completely depends on what your schedule's like. We don't all have the ability to do that, but just sometimes trying to set life out so you can escape almost or just go against the grain of your normal day to honour the influence that the moon has on your emotions. But yes, if you wear moonstone during the like significant lunar cycles, it is said to ease the effects and influence that the moon can have on you. So moonstone is great for, oh my goodness, anything to do with your crown chakra, but also your third eye. So our crown chakra controls how we think and respond to our environment. And when our crown chakra is balanced, we are too. So you 
really may want to use Moonstone for any areas in regards to developing psychic skills, for psychic protection. It can aid you in clairvoyance, intuition, seeking out hidden truths. Dream work is said to be one of the dream stones. It can help you with lucid dreaming, lunar magic, of course, due to its association with the moon and also divination. So it can offer protection and prevent dark nightmares. So any work you want to do around lucid dreaming or sleep, this is always one of the main go-tos. And it is, as I say, known as the dreamstone. So you can place moonstone near your bed or under your pillow to invite in good visions and dreams. So another site I looked at said that you could also put a moonstone under your mattress in position, in alignment with where your heart would be on the bed. And I think there's something in that. If you think about when we used to have like different Um, wards and spells that were done especially in times of old you'd often see things carved into the floor under beds or people would leave all manner of you know like potions and so on that they put together under the bed of something of somebody Um, also if they were doing any kind of more darker magic it was often left under the bed of somebody Moonstone on the magic front is said to be stronger for magical use when the moon is waxing, but it can and should be used in divination when the moon is waning. So I didn't get much background on why, but that is said to be the strongest times to use it magically. And just as the moon has a light and dark side, Moonstone is said to amplify the negative as well as the positive. It's a very good stone to use, again, anything relating to the crown chakra. So use it to alleviate stress, anxiety, insecurity, your brain from, you know, racing with thoughts. It can bring peace and tranquility and calm the mind. It's a really good stone to work with to help you cultivate compassion and empathy towards yourself and others. So it's quite a good stone, I would say, to kind of blend with a stone like rose quartz if you are really working on some self-love. It can deflect negativity and it can ease emotional trauma you may be experiencing. So again, this might be a stone that you want to bring into any work that you're doing relating to shadow work. It can help create deep karmic emotional healing and it is said that it can push us further into our consciousness development wise as well it is a great stone to work with for manifesting because it is a stone of new beginnings it brings strong energies of abundance to one's life but it is also a stone that is said to bring success to love and business matters so again the success and the love factor as we said earlier it was a really popular stone in the medieval times for a love charm you might want to place moonstone in your office or workspace to aid creativity within your career and harking back to the medieval times if you give your lover a necklace with a moonstone when the moon is full you will always have a passion for one another You can use it to attract love, but also to solve relationship issues. 
So it is also known as the Traveller's Stone, but very much in association with traveling at sea, but also when you are swimming. So if you are a wild swimmer or somebody does a lot of swimming, you could use it for protection when you are doing that. Okay, so moonstone is a stone that you might want to combine with another stone I came across, which is called cavern site, which reminds me of caravan site. I'm sorry. <laughs> which, <laughs> which was, <laughs> yeah, it's not just me. If you look at it, yeah. the way it's, I thought someone had mis, mis, uh, misspelled caravan site. But no, combine it with cavern site, which also has a high vibration. And together, they are said to be a powerful combination for ascension, dream capabilities, and they have a strong connection to outer dimensions, especially once our consciousness is able to fully relax. And again, this is a really good stone to work with to relax because it's got the peace and tranquility element. It is linked to the crown chakra. So really powerful too when combined. But you can also combine it with blue kyanite, azurite, tanzanite, and shatakite for a similar effect. Yet it, that won't be as potent a blend as moonstone and cavansite. So I came across some interesting ways to cleanse and look after your moonstone. So as usual, you can charge moonstone on a full or new moon under the light of the moon. It's moon association would mean that that would, for me, be the perfect way to charge and cleanse it. Other ways that you can cleanse it were by... It's got the water element, hasn't it? So you may want to, if you are fortunate enough to be by a stream, you could wash it under clean water in a stream. You could just simply smoke cleanse it. Another site I saw that you can also soak it. So I'm always a bit hesitant with crystals and water. But if it's really dirty, really needs a good clean. Another couple of websites suggested soaking it in water overnight with three tablespoons of salt to one cup of water. That is if it needs a real deep cleanse. But if your moonstone has dulled severely, and they can, and obviously they're quite light in colour, most jewellers can polish it up properly to get it shine back. So you can actually take it in and they will clean it up for you. So following on from the tone of last week, I found a poem by Nikita Gill. And just so happened to be the, the best one I came across that I wanted to link to this crystal. And the poem is called The Moon Goddess. There is something moon soaked and dawn flavoured about her, something kissed by the wild and loved by lightning. She, the goddess of storm hunting and wolves and moonlight magic. She, the queen of the forest, of womanhood more brutal than tragic. How perfect is that? This is not just a theme that we're going to have. We're not like promoting the key to kill, but I, I suspect we're going to find a poem that will match whatever we talk about. Um, but that's perfect, isn't it? Of course, and links to the wolves as well. So yes, very much like that. <laughs> we had a little giggle before we recorded this, actually, because um, we we're talking about the book, The Moonstone. And 
I was saying about, oh, I'm sure that he and Charles Dickens were like really good friends. So I was looking into it and we found out that they were, they were the very best of friends because they were introduced by a man, by a man called Augustus Egg. And we thought the name was very hilarious. <laughs> we're just wondering if there are any more eggs around in the world today or whether that's a name that's died out because I'd quite like to have a name like that. <laughs> As a child, I think that would be a challenge, but, um, you know, would certainly develop your character as an adult, as me now in my life. I would love to introduce myself as Rachel Egg. I might just change my name just because. I think that was actually really Humpty Dumpty's true name, like his actual <laughs> birth certificate name, Augustus Egg. Yes, I just thought it was spiffingly British name, that one. It really is. <laughs> He's a good egg. Right. Uh, I just wanted to talk over some of the points that you made, really, and just explore them a little deeper. And the first one that I thought about is the association with the divine feminine. I think that what it stirs up for me when I heard you talk about that is the strange era that we grew up in. Now, maybe this applies across many different generations, but we did we this, I'm trying to decide whether this is what I spun onto my life as a um, like a, a tween through to teen and early 20s probably or whether it was really the culture I feel like we lived in a phase where femininity was not valued not appreciated unless it took certain forms and what that resulted in for me was a real defiance against anything feminine so you and I have both identified before that we have strong masculine energies within our personality. But, you know, we know and accept that that is not the exclusion of the feminine energies. But I think there was a time, I know there was a time when I tried to dull out my more feminine energies, my nurturing side, you know, masked it in favour of my more masculine qualities. And that seems like a really dangerous place and to be in a dangerous game to play and I don't really know why that was the case for me was it the case for you you know living in in a, a time where what it meant to be a powerful woman was that you had to be a spice girl type character or something like that that didn't sit comfortably with me so I turned away from it or how were you in like our growing up in you know formative years Oh, this is such a theme that the minute you started talking about this, I instantly thought the same kind of things about the 90s, because we were both teenagers in the 90s. And I've even talked a little bit about this on the podcast recently in regards to a book that I read. And it was a lot of references to the 90s thinking, wow, we were the it was the lad culture. Women yeah. were drinking to keep like there was a huge binge drinking culture to keep up with. It was almost like women were being celebrated for adopting I put in inverted commas like like the lad culture with like drinking as many pints as you could and you know it was like the time when it was like embraced that you could go out and get absolutely hammered as a female and it was just celebrated and we had like lad magazines with girls with their boobs out and that was perfectly normal and there was nothing for women along those lines we had like female magazines that were oh the way to seduce him and like the best sex positions and it was really <laughs> it was really troubling if I'm really honest 
I would be seriously concerned if that was still a factor now and my daughter was growing up in that. There are other elements, of course, that are troubling now, but what a time to be alive. <laughs> it was strange. And that's what sudden, I, um, I have moonstones and it's not a stone I've necessarily worked with yet. I think I've bought them thinking this is something I want to explore, but it's of all the things that you've just said, of which there was much that was interesting, that particular thing really struck me as being, I know I've been on a journey of discovery of reclaiming my feminine side um, for a long time, but I think that perhaps it's just a time for me to step that up. And so I, well, firstly, I was holding a moonstone while you were talking about it, and I've now tucked it in my bra so my hands are free, because you know I gesticulate freely and I don't want to fling it at a window or something. But um, it's definitely something that I'm going to pursue is to, is to work for that very particular purpose with Moonstone. Uh, it kind of flows on to um, what my next point was, which is you discussed it being uh, a stone that you can work with for self-discovery. And if I, I just wonder whether there is anything more valuable than spending your time on than self-discovery, because, you know, you could pursue such answers as what is the meaning of the universe what is the meaning of life but if you were to actually find the answer to those things that would be so disappointing that's like, what would be the point in anything once you actually knew that I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong maybe there's um, something to be gained from it in a way that you would live your life but I think it would take all the magic and mystery but a journey of discovering the inner self to know your true self or rather to seek to know yourself, to me, that is a journey worth embarking on. How do you feel about that? It's funny you say that because it's something we recently talked about on some other work I did. Um, I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, throw in links to my podcast or anything, but we <laughs> talked about the serpent and it was that element of when you go through a huge I think with self-discovery, it often happens very intensely and very quickly at times. And you come out of it and you discover something about yourself and an authentic way of being, or you kind of strip things back to the bone in regards to who you are. But there is also that element that you have to go through of grieving that old version of you. Because I went through a big period of self-discovery this year and I kept having this, it's the ignorance is bliss concept. Like sometimes you have to appreciate with self-discovery, there is an element of grieving the old version of you. And that can be quite hard to do. It can be something you need to take in, into consideration. Growth and self-discovery is often uncomfortable and always leads generally to something very good at the end of it. But the... Yeah, like coming out of that darkness when you are looking to discover something can be can be quite tough, definitely. Rewarding, you get something out of it, there's huge growth, but it can be, um, yeah, it can be tough. Ignorance is sometimes bliss. <laughs> it's really interesting that you say about that and about grieving for that old version of yourself because um, it's just, just thoughts I've been having recently on having listened to different podcasts and, and different things about how People, I've seen a lot of posts about people being um, on a journey of understanding themselves and apologise, not apologising, but explaining to people who met them before they fully knew themselves that that wasn't really them. They didn't really know themselves. And I feel very, very differently about that. I feel like I've always been me, but just in different forms. And if you accept 
that you may need to grieve for different versions of yourself, even if you're glad you've moved on from those. I think it's important to acknowledge you you have always been you, just perhaps with different influences, which you now decide are not for your benefit. I think it's important to note that because I agree with you. I feel like each version of us is the bridge to the next version of us, but it is still all you. And almost, I don't kind of want to um, put this out there as, I feel like in a way it's almost like you're discarding former versions of yourself because you can even have those versions of your life and yourself that weren't positive. Like we talked about this the other day. Okay, there's times in my life where I was a drug addict. I don't want to discard that version of me. I don't want to pretend that, oh, that wasn't me because that was me at that time. There was another, there's other versions of me that have been, you know, great or versions that haven't been so good. But I almost feel like discarding them is... Is that detrimental as in you're not honouring and accepting that part of you and what you went through and how you grew and how you worked through that and you ascended? You know, that's an ascension in itself. I think that's it. I think it's actually, and I don't think I've ever said this before in my life, but I think that's actually a danger of hindsight. You can look back with rose-tinted glasses and think, well, no, hang on it's not looking back with rose tinted glasses it's wearing the glasses now but looking back on yourself and thinking well I just didn't know then I didn't you still were you dealing with scenarios in the best way that you were able so there's no no knowledge now that you could have that would make you think that you could have dealt with things any differently and it's not that you didn't understand yourself or or anything or, or dealt with things badly or wrongly you needed to do that and that's what brought you like you say as a bridge to where you are now it's all very interesting if you're looking at ascension with this stone and you're looking at you know um this being a stone of abundance and so on then I would really recommend that you look at like meeting the future self version of you meditating on your higher self so that you can almost come to future versions of you too agreed yeah I think yeah I think we've probably done that one. <laughs> I don't need to add anything more to it, but yeah, I agree with everything you've just said there. So just I don't one... know about you, but sorry, Rachel, I'm yep. like a witch that I'll be really honest. And this probably is why I was keen to start with a crystal. I don't know how you feel about this, but I am a witch that it's really funny because if you said to me, this herb can do all of this, except like make you a cup of tea. I'm like, yeah, I believe that. I'm absolutely like 100% with you on that because I guess I associate with the, you know, hedge witchcraft is a big part of my practice. We have been talking about this recently and I'm, again, I'm a witch that the crystal aspect of the craft has always been an area that I have struggled with, but it is only my deep, under, not deep understanding, that's I don't have a deep understanding of this at all. I have recently started to look into crystals and how they relate to us here in the UK. And I started to understand more about crystals that were found in like Scotland and all different parts of the UK. And it started to make me realise, oh, this is like, you know, this, I've started to only recently understand how crystals are such an important part of the earth's crust and all of the years that they've been there and all of the things that have happened whilst they're there so 
I'm going to be really honest with you, like bringing crystals to the podcast was an area that I was really hesitant in. But recently, I've really started to understand and become like a believer in their many practical and magical uses. So this is a new path for me. So I just wanted to put that out there. And I don't know if you feel the same on this. But yes, this is like kind of a new area for me, definitely. Well, interestingly, um, that ties into the last point that I wanted to talk about, which is uh, we, so we spoke about this on, I think it was the last podcast we recorded in the first season about use of crystals in pendulums. And you've obviously said that Moonstone is great for divination. Now, I have worked with pendulums, but only over the last two years or so. So whilst I've often had crystals in the past, I wouldn't say I've worked to a great degree with them until using them as pendulums. Um, you mentioned when you gave the information about Moonstone about it being really good to work with the crown chakra. And that immediately conjures images in my mind of using it within a pendulum to kind of realign things because it is it's very easy to do that with a pendulum. Um, and also with, um, with your psychic skills and things, it all, it all ties in with use within a pendulum so I think that's something that I would like to um, pursue as well is is seeing what it brings to that element of my craft. I should have specified this within the divination area as well because scrying is another top area for you to use it in divination which would make absolute sense because although it is linked to the crown chakra most mostly it also links to the third eye also so yeah that's really an area that would be great to use it within divination for interesting I, I mean there's just loads there and I, I'm really I almost feel a little bit bad that I haven't explored this um this crystal sooner because it seems to have so much about it that's a real pull for me um but it's definitely something that I'm gonna use in, in fact like literally like now <laughs> I want to start yeah. right now <laughs> And I think it's one is said to be a stone linked to the month of November and like Scorpio season. But I say that because I also came across that it was linked to like a being a June birthstone. And there were like literally every single astro, astrological sign came up that I thought I'm not going to get into that. But yes, I just felt like it was a good stone. And I guess the first one I ever came across, really, because of the Wilkie Collins book. The Moonstone, bringing us full circle to how we began the episode. <laughs> Take a bow, pat yourself on the back. That's beautifully done. Thank you. <laughs> well, that, was, that was really, really interesting. Thank you. And um, yeah, look forward to returning next week with more interesting information. See you all soon, witches. 